I wanted to, we're going to try to be brief today. I know that we've got little kids with us, and I want to, best I can, try to say, here we are, this is who we are, everybody. We've got a, kind of a moment where I think we can do some vision bearing. We're going to look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 21 to 31. Sorry, take a little time to have some questions on the table, talk amongst yourselves, communion, the needs, and then go home and maybe try to catch our nap or whatever else is coming. I, uh, one of the things that I, I, I probably think it does it. But, you know, I've been here just four months now. It was, it was about 11 months ago I started, we started the conversation with our family in Rely. And it, Jim and I will probably tell the story over and over again. Uh, I have been for 30 years thinking I'd like to end up in North Dakota. She doesn't know that. We're, things aren't quite working for us in Chicago. I come home and say, hey, I just found this church online. I put the description, it's looking for staff, I put the description on front of Janet and she thinks, that sounds great. I think we would fit there. I think this could be a good match until she finds out it's Pittsburgh. <laughs> and one of the things that Derek, I think, did very, very well and the elders of nurture and Raph has been a big part of this also. In fact, I see Raph here such a heavy Is this idea that we're a front portion? It's pushing against a lot of things that are have become the nature of our culture in America for people to be isolated, for them not to know their neighbors, not to put themselves in places where the infrastructure encourages a sense of community. But it was just really captivating for us. So I'm walking in here, I'm looking through the teaching path, and I'm like, I don't just want to speak Well, front doors, I mean, it basically is looking at the world where we've got some infrastructure that makes them happen. We're near people. We're inviting them into a conversation. We're kind of having enough boundary where if it's too intimate, well, we can just keep walking down the sidewalk. But it's a, a place to meet and start to be a sense of community. And in many ways, I was thinking about this, just even our family and peace. This is us nurturing one another, but we're actually practicing what we hope to do for our community. Um, gathering people to a table, sharing a meal, conversations that meander a little bit, but they are pointing us towards the Lord and how the Lord would address us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Find them as a sign on your hands, and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, practically on your front porch. The idea is that we have a being a front porch people. Derek just didn't create this, you know, eight years ago and then launched Revive seven years ago. These are the oldest ideas of humanity. Where the Lord is speaking to Moses and taking a dysfunctional, extremely large, extended family that was living as slaves and turning them into the nation. It says the most important thing that you must 
B is to love the Lord your God with every piece of you, with your mind, your heart, your strength, everything that is, makes you human, you love God with. And then you teach those principles to your children. I'll add a little bit here. I've had a conversation with several of you. That's generally been pretty good to Jan and I with raising our kids. We don't have the disaster stories that some families have. But I ought to add, it, it's not been easy. We've had a lot of tears shed. And some people have even asked, well, what do you do for family devotions? Frankly, we never did family devotions very well. I fuck out, God. If I'm all in my life, I'm all in my shoes. We tried over and over. You can master it. That's great. We quit and make Jim's idea was the reason it was so difficult is we had too many kids and their age span was too wide. And we were too busy. But I did find that our kids listened to us talk about God and talk about what's God doing. And I'll share one story with my son that with my son Ethan, and I hope I'm not being redundant. I hope I'm not repeating the same stories like the whole time. My son Ethan's doing pretty well. He's working on a PhD in economics at Notre Dame. And in about two months, I'll find out whether he's going to be able to go the next stage or if he's going to have to do summer school. And in about four months, we'll find out is he really going to be able to go to the next stage. So, you know, looks good now, it might not in the end. But Ethan let me do something that I really counted as a privilege. When he was applying to get into grad school, he asked for me to be his editor for his papers that he was writing. And you know, he hadn't asked for me to edit anything in undergrad. And one of the questions that came before him was, how did you get interested in economics and what do you want to do with this? And maybe Ethan was actually just trying to be in the life. He wrote about it and said, well, I remember sitting outside, and I sat in the living room in a home where we had a front porch, and my dad was sitting there with some of his friends in the room, some business or government leaders in the and they were talking about economics. And they were quoting a book called Dead Aid by an economist named B. Samuel. And I started to listen to my dad talk about economics and Bible. And then the first book that I ever read was an economics book that I had heard these older guys talking about. And then when I would walk as a little kid, I could see that we were living in a world where most people were poor, but a middle class was growing. It just became my life. And I realized, saying this, that though we did family devotionals inconsistent horribly, my son Ethan was kind of always in the background listening, and he picked up what we were talking about. And I give it a lot of you probably won't have quite the same experience that we had overseas, but I'm confident if you live as front porch people, if you live in such a way where you're inviting your neighbors into your life, you're talking about issues that are of the day, and you're weaving God into it, your kids overhear that, and it transforms them. It starts to create the paradigm for how they understand the world, and how they will adjust to it, and how they will lead it. That's a big thing here in your life. I, I want us to continue to be a front porch people. Now, seasonal, life is seasonal. I got a question for you. 
Friday and Saturday, those of you who know where I live, I live on Mandan where it starts going up the hill, and I walk for two straight days. When I get up to the top of the hill, I'm seeing flock after flock of geese going over. Okay, others of you are thinking, I've only seen one going south. Now, I might be, I'm going to actually get some feedback. If I told you to, I love to be strength. So maybe like there's a lot more going south and I'm ignoring it and I'm not seeing it. Maybe these are optimistic. Maybe they're full of, maybe they're local, being a nuisance. What's coming in the next few months? See, the next few weeks, let's say. Between now and May, what are we going to see? Snow. There seems to be consensus. Snow's coming. Do the geese know anything? Are my wife not to trust the geese and just enjoy the nice weather? Okay, well, whatever. But I am confident of this. At least by May, we're going to start to be able to live from fortunes, aren't we? Maybe we're going to get a, a, be able to do it in part, but at least by May. It's happening. It's changing. This may be this meeting. It's kind of us. I hope it's in the rhythm, in the thought. What is going to go? The conversation for today, we're going to get back to Galatians, but the practicality we're going to talk about is bullying. And let me review Galatians for you. Um, History, and I hope I don't bore the kids with this. I like history. Paul writes a book to a group of churches in the province of Galatia, Lystra, Iconium, Missouri, if you read through Acts, that's Acts 13 and 14. Paul shortly, well, first stories after his, some of the first stories after his conversion, he goes to become the missionary, starts churches in this area. The basic pattern is Paul will go into these cities, find a Jewish synagogue where is belief in Yahweh God, where there is an understanding of Old Testament Paul will start talking about Jesus and the resurrection. He'll get a short hearing from the Jews, the people will become Christians, and then they'll become Muslims, and he'll get pushed out of the synagogue. When he gets pushed out of the synagogue, he starts dealing with Gentiles and Greeks, those who have no heritage of faith in Yahweh God, as the creator of the earth, the giver of the Old Testament. And he's dealing with Pagan people, entrenched in idolatry, living immoral lives. In marriages, transformation. And you get these new churches that are full of new life, but they're also chaos. And then Paul will typically have to move on because there's some conflict. It's not that he moves on because the plan is done, it's because there's something he's got to move on. There's a group of Jewish Christians who follow them. Who come to these churches that are largely made up of Gentiles and they've got to have all of this Old Testament law and it's detail after detail. It even includes circumcising old men. Paul writes this letter in Galatians dealing with these complexities. One of the things that I hope it doesn't freak you out too much, but trying to put a date on all of this, because you've got the letter of Galatians, you've got the letter of Romans, you've got stories and acts. What's came in which portion, when was the story written, when was that? It does seem to be there was about a 20 to 30 period, year period of time in which the New Testament church is wrestling with what we do. We can say this, church life is messy, and sometimes it takes 20 to 30 years to 
we love that we want to be under the law. Don't you hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and the other by a slave. But the blood by the slave was born according to the impulse of the flesh, while one of the free woman was born as a result of the promise. These things are illustrations for the Roman records of the two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai and bears children into slavery, and that's his Hagar. Now Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. It corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is enslaved with her children. But the Jerusalem of God is free. She is her mother. For it is written, Rejoice, child of the woman who does not give birth. Birth in the song of child, you who are not in labor, the children of the desolate are many, more numerous than those of the woman who has a husband. Now you brothers like Isaac, the truth is that the child born according to the flesh is the one born according to the But what does the scripture say? Drive up the slave woman, your son, for the son of the slave will never be holier than the son of the free woman. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of slaves, but of the free woman. Please be seated. Yeah, I refer to an Old Testament story. If you want to go home and read it, it's Genesis chapter 16. It's basically the whole story of Genesis chapter 16. Now Paul starts in this section by saying basically there are two covenants or two laws. There is a covenant of the Old Testament law and there is a covenant of, of the New. There is a place called Mount Sinai in the wilderness and there is a new Jerusalem that's in heaven. There is a slave woman named Hagar and there is a free woman named Sarah. And you will have to choose either have a mother who is rooted in slavery or a mother who is rooted in freedom. Now, the story is in Genesis 16, and if you're reading it, it's going to seem kind of odd, because we don't live typically in this type of family arrangement in the United States. The story tells us that there is a man named Abraham who's married to a woman named Sarah. And Abraham is a friend of God. He hears God speak to him in an intimate way. And Abraham has heard God say that your wife Sarah is going to have a child. It is a child of promise. And that God is going to build a great nation. Here's this son. Isaac. When Sarah overhears the conversation between Abraham and some visitors, who most of us interpret as angels, talk about this, she starts laughing because she's old. She's gone through menopause. Abraham's old. He doesn't have much physical strength left. And this just seems ludicrous. And the angel speaks and says, well, we're going to name him Isaac, which talks about your lack. All of us, though this story is old, it's different from the way a lot of us would structure, I hope all of us would structure our family, let me say that. It's different. We do live in these seasons of misery, and they will always be part of our lives. Where we can think, well, I can manage it this way, or I thought this was where God was leading, and we step forward in faith, and life doesn't go the way we're expecting. 
I mean, I may make a silly illustration. I've seen all the keys going north. And what if next week we get hit by a blizzard in Missouri River? Do I, do I give up? When we're in these places of mystery and wrestling, I think we sing it the way we do, but it just doesn't come the time we want. And it doesn't come to the place where we can do it in our plans or our own strength. We start to think, well, maybe I can help God. And this sounds really crass if you really understand the story. I'll try to say it in such a way where it is not embarrassing, but Sarah has a, a slave, which is a certain way it's an awful thing. It's, it's economic exploitation. It's taking advantage of Family structure work. Her slave is named Hagar. And all indication is Hagar is young, likes to fertile, probably attractive. And Sarah said, well, Abraham, let me appoint Hagar as your wife, your second wife, your concubine. And you go with her and have a child. And then we're going to help God along in this thing. You know what usually happens whenever we try to help God along with what we're saying, trust me and wait? Yep, Sarah was right. Hagar was fertile. Hagar became pregnant. And then all of the family dynamics started to get much, much worse. Because you've got jealousy of energy in this situation. Hagar, who should have the status of a slave, now she's got equal status as a mistress. And Paul in writing in Galatians is letting us know that you know, you're going to have moments where you're going to have to make some choices. And sometimes these choices are going to be places of mystery where you don't have it all figured out. You just walk in. Now, some practicality. I mentioned this. This is a distant culture, distant story. We all live in these places. But I thought I'd especially want to say this to a church like Revive. Um, um, oh my me speaking well of all of you. And in some ways indicting myself. Jan and I had argued without little kids at home, but liking little kids and like grown kids being scattered. When I walk into this room and I see mom and dad with two to three little kids, it just makes me smile. This just feels like home. I just like it. But I have to admit that what we've got here, I mean, if you look at American demographics, we don't look like a typical cluster of 60 to 80 people in this country. You cluster 60 to 80 people every week, they won't look like this. We've got too many little kids. There's too much laughter. We're different. But here's a, a reality. And I don't know everyone here, and I don't know everyone who lives, but I want us to be sensitive to this. We will have people walking into our body who might be a married couple who's struggling with fertility, and every little child they see reminds them of it. We might have people walking into our recovery from a marriage that didn't work, and all the joy that they see reminds them of it. We might have someone walk in who's Widow, we might have somebody who's really quite a bit of a lot of life and everything they see that doesn't make 
have to hold God's grace to us, His mercies, with both a place of faithfulness and a place of mercy for others. And if we okay, all these things that are in a certain way are God's mercy, we lift them up as pride. We're only in creations. I, I hope that it makes sense. In fact, I'm going to have to have a conversation. I don't know what we do on Mother's Day. We're going to think through what we do on Mother's Day. Honor and heal wounds. Put it out. The story to do that. Oh, my point. Enduring joy comes with patience. If you're going through one of those seasons where everything reminds you of pain, stay with it. your Okay, bullying and inhalation. Last thing that I Paul compares the Judaizers to the son who was born to Hagar. And if you go back, and let me make sure my memory's right on this, you read Genesis chapter 21, verse 8 to 21. You're going to read the story that Ishmael grows up, he's probably about a teen, and then Isaac has entered into the picture, and Abraham has two sons. One son born by Hagar, born to a slave woman, one son born by Sarah to a free woman, who's Isaac and Shem. And it appears to me that Abraham loves both of the sons. But it's really a torn up, messed up family. And these sons themselves, particularly Ishmael, who's the oldest, knows this culture well enough to know, I'm the oldest son. I should be the one who leads the family. I should lead the clan. I should get the inheritance. But he can see the handwriting on the wall. Sarah is loved more than Hagar. And he knows the rumors that are being passed around, and he knows that Isaac's going to get all the things that should have been his because he was the son. And as happens, it all helps. We all have sibling rivalry. This one goes walkers. Ishmael is bullying Isaac over and over and over again, and it's probably rude. Sarah's watching this. And Abraham doesn't know what to do. So finally God speaks to Hey, As Paul's writing the story in Galatians, he's saying this is what's happening in the prophets of Galatians, in these churches. These Judaizers that have entered in are much like Ishmael. They're jealous. And as they see the freedom that you have in Christ, their jealousy is aroused to the point that they are like bullies. They're just bullying people in church. What do you guys think? All the response is, I think I agree. I have to go back. Coleman's translation says this way, drive out the slave and her son, the son of the slave will never be We don't often like to say at church that there are some people that have to leave. But frankly, sometimes some people do not. 
And Paul says this, yeah, I'm seeing the fuel right, right in the front, so I'm going to guess what most evangelical books will tell you on church conflict, but this is what Paul would say. Sometimes something happens in a church where somebody's methodology of how they deal with conflict is slightly different than global. It's manipulating, it's controlling, it's misusing scripture, it's harsh, and it's awful. And what would practically happen is what would like happen to a little child that's being bullied by a teenager. All you can do is have a bunch of books. Paul's instructions are send them all. Sounds harsh. I have to read it again. Did I really read that? That's the instructions. Now, I really hope God will give me a real long season to revive. I hope I never have to preach a sermon where I've actually said, okay, this month God will do, but sometimes it does happen. But I want you to remember this. Last thing before we talk. Don't forget your God. When you have put your faith in Jesus, you are born in freedom. You can put away all the Things of the past, the Spirit lives in your life, it gives you new joy, new strength, takes you to new places, you have a family, where we know one another well enough, though it's not going to be an easy journey, but we'll journey it together. You're born into 